Hello, and welcome back to Death to Capital Punishment and Other Human Rights Abuses. I'm your host, Josie Danokevich, and today we will be discussing how the justice system that is meant to keep us safe is actually America's deadliest serial killer. So I want to start today's episode by sharing a story about a man who was once on death row. So on November 1st, 1986, Walter McMillan sat at his local church enjoying some southern fish fry in Alabama. Unbeknownst to him, that same night, tragedy would strike the 18-year-old Rhonda Morrison while she worked as a laundromat clerk in Monroe, Alabama. She was murdered in cold blood, the cause of death, several gunshot wounds to the back. Her murder outraged the community, rightfully so, and the local sheriff vowed to bring her killer to justice. The case went cold, however, and feeling the pressure to find a suspect, Sheriff Tom Tate arrested Walter McMillan based on the ravings of a repeated offender, Ralph Myers, who was also struggling with drug addiction. McMillan would be found guilty and would be sentenced to death. He would spend six years on death row before he was found innocent of any wrongdoing in connection to the death of Rhonda Morrison. That's right, Walter McMillan was innocent and America would have killed an innocent man. I shared that story with you because it is important to note that Walter McMillan's story isn't an isolated incident. Since the 1970s, 170 innocent people have been executed by the American justice system, according to data collected by the Death Penalty Institute. A cornerstone of American justice is a Benjamin Franklin quote that states, It is better for a hundred guilty persons to go free than one innocent person should suffer. As an aspiring attorney, I believe these words to be true with my whole heart, and in theory, America's courts do also believe in this theory, but they don't practice it, as is evidenced by the fact that in 29 states in the U.S. today, they still have the death penalty. I do understand that when people lose a loved one to rape, torture, and murder, that they would want justice, and that oftentimes you can be so consumed with your rage, which is completely justified, that you want the, uh, the person that hurt your loved one dead. But what if you convicted the wrong person? That isn't justice. I also think about how when we are children and say something and like say that somebody hit us or bite us, that we are always told that you can't you don't have the right to hit them or bite them back. And I think that's an interesting uh, I think that's an interesting idea to pursue because we learn that idea as children, but even our justice system doesn't follow that same idea. And now I totally realize that that example may seem completely irrelevant as um, fighting, uh, children fighting is completely incomparable to murdering another human being. But is justice punishing a person for their crime or committing the same crime they committed in the name of justice? In other Western countries, the precedent is very much justice, but not committing murder in the name of justice. Um, as all European countries, except for Belarus and Russia, outlaw capital punishment for all civilian and military crimes. The United States is supposed to be a leader of tolerance, decency, and humaneness in the world, but we are falling short considering the value of life. This value is something our founders believed in so strongly that they inscribed in the Declaration of Independence, and it states, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. So among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, when I read the Declaration of Independence, the word that jumps out me the most is life. American justice not only has court-ordered death penalty through lethal injection and electrocution, but look at stories in the news over recent years. George Floyd and Breonna Taylor ultimately got death sentences because of police brutality and no-knock warrants. We call ourselves the greatest country in the world because we value our constitutional rights and we value our founding fathers declaring independence from England for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But there is so much death in our justice system that it doesn't seem possible for us to be the greatest country in the world. There's just too much injustice. And 
what is kind of ironically called the justice system. The death penalty is also carried out through two means, electrocution and lethal injection. And both these procedures aren't foolproof and both have been botched, causing intense pain to the inmate. And to me, that's a clear violation of the Eighth Amendment Clause against cruel and unusual punishment. For example, in 1983, John Evans was burned alive for 14 minutes after the electric chair malfunctioned. And similarly, in 2000, a Florida inmate, Bernie Zemp's execution took technicians 33 minutes to find suitable veins for the execution. And Zemp's also, in his final statement, stated, They butchered me back there. I was in a lot of pain. They cut me in the groin. They cut me in the leg. I was bleeding profusely. This is not an execution. It is murder. And I think that quote from somebody that was ultimately put to death sums up the injustice of this quote-unquote punishment. And I also want to explore a little bit more the constitutional right against cruel and unusual punishment because when you read that clause, it does seem a little bit vague, but Supreme Court rulings have helped to um, define it significantly. So the two cases that I want to talk a little about are Atkins versus Virginia. And this case was decided in 2002, and it explicitly, the court explicitly ruled that you cannot execute a person with mental illness. That violates the Eighth Amendment and qualifies as cruel and unusual punishment. And also in Roper v. Simmons, which was decided in 2005, the court ruled that you cannot execute a person that's under 18 years old when they committed their crime. So... The court has ruled in many cases that the death penalty is cruel and unusual punishment, and this has really only recently occurred in recent years, and they cite evolving standards of decency for these decisions. But what confuses me about their standards of decency is how they put the life of a person with a mental disability over the life of anyone else or a child's life above an adult's. Don't get me wrong, I am so glad that they have ruled against the execution of minors and people with mental disabilities. It is definitely a step in the right district direction, but we need to do more as a country. And so another argument that I hear a ton when I talk about this issue is that it costs too much to house prisoners. And since it's our tax dollars that fund the prison system, this does seem like a justified concern. But the data doesn't prove this. It actually shows a different scenario. And so it costs between $20,000 to $40,000 a year to house an inmate. But the median cost of the death penalty is $1.26 million. So yes, it totally costs a lot to house prisoners, but it costs far more to take a human life. And this leads me to the fact that at the beginning of the episode, I stated that the American justice system is America's deadliest serial killer. And I want to put that into perspective a little bit more for you. Some of the most notorious serial killers in America are Ted Bundy, Samuel Litter, Gary Ridgway, and John Wayne Gacy. They killed approximately... 36, 50, 49, and 33 people each, respectively. And those are only the murders that have been confirmed by po- by police. For each of these men, it's suspected that they murdered even more people. Um, but since the 1970s, 1,529 people have been executed. I want to repeat that number again. 1,529 people. That's a lot of people. And actually, 17 of those people were executed just this past year in 2020. And... So when you look at that number, it's a little bit shocking because that is more people than any serial killer has ever murdered and exceeds the total number of all four of the killers that I mentioned. So essentially what I'm trying to say is the justice system is a killer, but there's no one there to hold them accountable because they are the law. They're the ones that are, they were the ones that are 
supposed to be handing out sentences, providing justice to victims and their families. But I think that there are actually a lot of ways that we can hold our government accountable. And there are ways to do that, such as writing to your representatives in Congress and asking them to support bills such as Congresswoman Ayanna Presley's proposed legislation. It's called House Resolution 262. This bill, if passed by Congress, would ban the death penalty for any federal crime. Now, that doesn't outlaw it in states, but it's a step in the right direction, and that would ban it on the federal level. And when I wrote to our representative, Jack Bergman, I got the response, um, and I assume it's from one of his interns, but it was saying that, you know, thank you for your concern, basically, but, you know, on the federal level, the death penalty is only held for, like, serious crimes. And okay, that's not what I'm arguing here, is what I'm arguing for is human life and the dignity that humans have, and I understand that these people committed heinous crimes, but there are 170 people, innocent people executed. We can't ever really be 100% 100 sure that these people committed the crime that they're being executed for. You know, juries, lawyers, and judges, they're people. They're, They're fallible. So... It's also important to vote for politicians who are anti-death penalty, and hopefully through these efforts, our country will become a much more humane place. And I want to finish off with one last argument I hear all the time. So I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this, and she was like, well, Ted Bundy escaped prison several times and he murdered more women. And that is very, very true. And that should not have happened. And... But... I'm not sure that we can murder anybody because they are human. We can't execute anybody because they are human. We're committing essentially the same crime that they did. So I just think that as a country, we need to live up to the ideas of humaneness and decency and kindness that we hold, that we believe our country holds. So thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode. (music) 